Welcome to Fruit Snacks, a weekday podcast that covers big ideas about the Christian worldview in a bite-sized format. Hey everyone, welcome back. Today we're going to wrap up our discussion specifically on New Testament manuscripts and textual variants by looking at three really important textual variants, which will often get brought up by those seeking to undermine the reliability of the text of Scripture. So I want you to be aware of these because there are really good and frankly pretty easy answers to why these textual variants shouldn't bother you as a Christian. So I want to look at each of these in turn and just kind of talk about each one for a few minutes. The very first one is one that I have found not very many Christians are aware of, and it is the longer ending of Mark. What most people I have found are not aware of, unless they've studied these issues, is that Mark's gospel in the very earliest manuscripts that we have ends in chapter 16, verse 8. And what you see in verses 9 through 20, which is included in most Bibles, if not all modern Bibles today, is not found in the earliest manuscripts that we have. It simply isn't there. Now, there are a couple of explanations for why that might be. One is that verses 9 through 20 might have been added at a later point, either by a scribe or by a well-meaning Christian who wanted to more fully and explicitly discuss the resurrection of Jesus. But you also get some interesting theological points made in the longer ending of Mark about handling snakes and drinking poison and all these other interesting things that, frankly, a lot of people have been influenced by in certain denominational circles over the years. And it's fascinating that that idea, those doctrines and teaching are not part of the earliest manuscripts we have of Mark. They're not original. Now, I say that because we're pretty sure that they were added at some point, but another possibility is that Perhaps they were original, but the earliest documents that we have have degraded and been destroyed to the point where the original ending of Mark is no longer readable. If you read verse 8 of chapter 16, there are scholars who think that it ends just too abruptly to be the end, the, the actual ending of Mark. And so there has been speculation that there actually was more beyond verse 8 but we don't know what it is. And so verses 9 through 20 are just as good of a candidate as as anything else, but it would be speculation. And that's not a completely unreasonable theory because Mark, like most books at that point, or papyrus really, would have been written on scrolls. And where do scrolls degrade first? Well, they they degrade at the edges Meaning that the very beginning of a letter and the very end of a letter, if there's any damage, it'll occur there first. And so it's possible, maybe even plausible, that the original scroll 
that Mark's gospel was written on due to all the copying, due to all the transportation and it making the rounds that it had, it could have degraded. And maybe we did lose some of the very last few verses. So you will usually see verses 9 through 20 of Mark chapter 16 in brackets or with some footnotes or something like that, because as I said, it's not in the earliest manuscripts. But like we talked about with textual variants, is it meaningful if that is or isn't part of Mark's gospel? You bet. Is it viable? Probably not, because we have a lot of earlier manuscripts that don't contain it. So what's the big deal? Well, it could be a big deal theologically if it turns out that 9 through 20 are part of the original because, as I said, there are some interesting things about snakes and poison in there. But, moreover, is there anything about major core essential doctrines of the Christian faith that would be affected by the longer ending of Mark not being original? I don't think so. Obviously, the resurrection of Jesus is mentioned in this longer ending, And if Mark were the only one who mentioned the resurrection of Jesus in his gospel, that would be problematic. But Jesus' resurrection is attested in every other gospel, and even Mark alludes to it. And so it doesn't do anything to the doctrine of the resurrection or to any theology related to it for Mark's longer ending not to be original. This next one is going to hurt a lot of people's hearts because it is a story in the Gospel of John that is very, very near and dear. But John chapter 7, verses 53 through chapter 8, verse 11, better known as the story of the woman caught in adultery, is not in the earliest manuscripts that we have of John's Gospel, meaning it's probably not original to John. In fact, there are manuscripts, oddly enough, that have some version of this story tied in with Luke's gospel, even though most scholars are pretty sure it doesn't belong to Luke. So what this has led scholars to think of is that it's possible that this story about Jesus and this woman caught in adultery is something that Jesus did, but we're not really sure where it originally belonged in terms of it being documented. It's not in the earliest manuscripts of John, and it doesn't really belong in Luke either, even though there are manuscripts that have it in both places. And so, again, even though we love this story, is there anything about Jesus, any core truth about his character or about who he is or what he taught that would change Because this story isn't in John's gospel. Not at all. In fact, the story, I think, has survived so well and become so beloved because it fits exactly with the character of Jesus that we see in the gospels. So whether it's original or not, really, for most scholars, doesn't make a difference. But just know that that story is not in the earliest manuscripts of John's gospel. One more for you, and this comes from 1 John chapter 5, verses 7 and 8. Now, there is an ending of this that you'll find in the King James Version of the Bible that specifically says, these are three in one, or something to that effect. It is an explicit reference to and teaching of the doctrine of the Trinity in Scripture. Now, obviously, that would be a slam dunk for Christians. The problem is, it's not original. It comes from later manuscripts, 
probably added by scribes to clarify the meaning and the intent of what's being discussed in these verses. So does that mean that the Trinity's out? Well, if you listened to the episodes I did on the Trinity, you may have noticed that I didn't mention 1 John 5, 7, and 8 anywhere. And that's because the doctrine of the Trinity can survive just fine without 1 John 5, 7, and 8 because it is found and taught and implied as a theme throughout so many other places in Scripture. So if the whole doctrine of the Trinity stood or fell based on this verse, we'd be in trouble. But the fact is, it doesn't. So I want you to know about these three variants because these are probably the three most important textual variants that you will encounter or hear about if you get into this issue yourself. So I hope this helps because, again, I want you to be encouraged. Yes, there are differences in the Bible manuscripts that we have, none that affect any essential doctrine, and none have undermined or have the ability to undermine the truth of what we know and believe about Jesus. We have today what was originally written. We can trust that it's accurate. We can trust that it was written by those who knew and walked with Jesus. And we can trust that God has been sovereign over his scripture and its writing and recording all of this time. 